0: This is the John Oakley Show podcast. All right, let's get going. Topics worthy of discussion for Pizzaville, dial pound 3636. The Tuesday crew is with us. Rocco Rossi, the CEO of the Ontario Chamber of Commerce. How you doing, Rocco?
1: That is the Super Tuesday crew to you.
0: Yeah, you're right. I forgot. It's Super Tuesday. Uh, I see
2: what you did there. Not
0: just there, but here. (laughs) Exactly. Wow. It's a tale of two cities. Uh, Kevin Gadette with us, president of Brightpoint Strategy, formerly headed the Canadian Taxpayers Federation. How's Kevin doing?
2: I'm great, but clearly duller than Rocco.
0: Well, you know, we all have our crosses to bear. <laughs> uh, and Alyssa Freeman, PR starts pop- with a low bar, and really, <laughs> there you go.
3: And here we go. We're about to raise the bar right now. Go ahead, John. Introduce me. Yep.
0: Oh, it's you who are introducing. <laughs> <laughs> She's enjoying herself so much, isn't she? Uh, PR and pop culture maven, Alyssa Freeman. How's Alyssa? Always well, John. Thank you for asking. All right. You know, uh, in terms of uh, messaging and such, uh, maybe I can start with you, Alyssa. I mean, you know, we were just informed that in Ontario, we now have 20 COVID-19 cases. Nobody's died yet. 29 across Canada. I mean, it's a very fluid situation, and we know uh, numerically across the world it's considered to be an epidemic Uh But should we be relieved or alarmed at that 20 number in the province of Ontario?
3: Well, it depends who you're listening to. So if I'm listening to Minister Christine Elliott like I was coming down the DVP, I'm listening to what she says. And she's very on message. You know, she's a very practiced politician. It's just she's been saying the same thing. Right now, it's not a problem. If it becomes a problem, uh, we know what to do. I'm not sure what that means, but we know what to do. And we also have uh, a good connection with the federal government so that we can help with what we know what to do. You know, I don't see that people are really in in sort of my own circle and if you go out in the city and restaurants are still full and and people are still making reservations so they're and they're still taking the subway so they're okay being in close contact. As a communications professional, you can't help but listen to every other piece of messaging that comes at you. So, yes, we hear what uh, Minister Elliott is saying. However, I also hear what the WHO is saying. I also hear what the head of the CDC is saying. So we take all these messages, and it's hard to know if we should be nervous or not. So I don't think that anybody really has—I don't, I don't have a huge sense of comfort about this, because the underlying narrative that I'm hearing is it's okay now, but— it might not be.
0: All right. You know, then I look at it relative to uh, the numbers of influenza. And, uh, you know, 8,000 people uh, died in the USA last year from the flu. And uh, the number of people that are infected are in the hundreds of thousands, if not millions. And then, you know, the province of Ontario, 13.5 million, I guess, population-wise, population-wise. Twenty people got it, and if three point four percent are apt to die, uh, you extrapolate. That's like two thirds of a person might meet an untimely end. Does should that give us pause for uh, maybe some relief? Or Rocco, likewise, do you think there's
1: reason to be alarmed or reason to be relieved? I, I think there's reason to be cautious uh, and reason to continue to watch because part of this, and we've seen it in other. Uh, countries as the data has come out, part of this is also, it's not like I went to my local convenience store and got tested today. Uh, So you see uh, jumps in numbers in South Korea, for instance, because they're now doing far more uh, testing than they were uh, before. And so I think it is important to stay on top of the numbers. I think the advice with respect to uh, hand washing, et cetera, makes a ton of sense. Uh, and that is, you know, sort of normal hygiene uh, for flu season in general. And to your point, um, the, um, uh, the COVID-19 has a 10 times higher uh, mortality rate than influenza, but is simply not, uh, not and we hope, will never spread to uh, to the numbers that uh, influenza does.
0: Well, I would think as the CEO of the Ontario Chamber of Commerce, uh, you're sort of on the horns of a dilemma. On the one hand, you don't want to be uh, alarmist because it impacts business. On the other, you've got to be practical or pragmatic because supply chain's disrupted. You want to know that uh, everything can be, you know, uh, straightened out or dealt with accordingly. Uh, so which is it? I
1: mean, are you finding that people, that there's nervousness within your business community? There, there is nervousness, and there are obviously sectors that uh, have been hit right away. The airlines, tourism um, are, uh, are, are taking hits to, uh, to the system significantly right now as people pull back. Um, definitely as the supply chain um, starts to, uh, to hit, because China plays a much bigger role in the world economy than it did when SARS hit. It's roughly four times bigger in terms of an exporting market than it was during the time of SARS. And so that is having an impact, but that is slower. And right now, people are finding it hard on a business level to sort out what may be what may be problematic in the supply chain due to um, the blockades versus, any slowdown in the supply chain because of uh, coronavirus. Yeah, I'll get around that. You know, if nothing else, it's also shown us how reliant we are on
0: China when it comes to the supply chain. Uh, but, you know, Kevin, uh, the thoughts on whether or not the 20 number is something that pops out at you, or are you sort of thinking, hey, you know, uh, that's kind of uh, no need to get ahead of ourselves or out over our skis. And then there's the other thing I wanted to bring into the equation when it comes to the impact. And uh, Justin Trudeau, even today, at a presser in Halifax suggesting there might be some kind of assistance that the government could afford to people. And I know, as a former head of the Canadian Taxpayers Federation, you got to be excited by that prospect. That, uh, And I don't know, because Rocco had cited, you know, the travel industry being hit by this. Uh, so it's a two-parter. I'll let you get into either of the uh, two parts. But do you think there ought to be some kind of uh, assistance for any impacted businesses on this front?
2: As of now, no. Um, we're, we're gonna have to see going forward what the impact is and revisit that conversation in due course, uh, which takes us back to your first question regarding, which takes us back to the first question regarding the, the the 20 number. I mean, yesterday the Chief Public Officer of Health of Canada and Minister Elliott in Ontario and Dr. Williams in Ontario admitted publicly that they were only had only been testing those people who had fit a profile, protocol profile of having visited from foreign nations, that they had not yet in Canada or Ontario anyhow been testing anyone who was pneumonically symptomatic but hadn't traveled. So I think that 20 number is actually going to explode shortly because I think that it's probably burning through the community to some extent, and we just haven't been testing for it. So I think we're being a bit complacent, and the critical epidemiological challenges compared to the flu, A, we don't know the mortality rate. It could be between 7 and 20 times worse. We don't know. Um, and relatedly, it actually doesn't, you know, I mean, this isn't a good thing. The flu attacks uh, the young, the old, and the weak. Very, very young, the old, and the weak. Um, it looks like the World Health Organization's report that was released uh, on on Friday, Thursday, whenever the heck, recently, <laughs> um, indicates that this actually has the aside from people under the age of 10 or 15, it can actually attack anybody above that. Um, and then the question then becomes, you know, unlike the unlike the flu, you could have series of people of any age bracket, except for young children, it seems, in the hospital. So uh, I'd say we need to wait a few weeks before we, we, we tip our hats to ourselves about how, how lucky we are about
0: this. Well, all right. Uh, but, you know, it's almost like... Uh, and then uh, it's like... I guess uh, the bar is then cast in front of us or the goalposts keep changing and could for a long, long time because the incubation period being two weeks to 17 days, uh, we don't know what we don't know is basically what you're saying. Well, and
2: I would say on top of that, when we make comparisons to the flu, even if it is only, and I put that in scare quotes, like the flu, it means there's another type of flu going around. So the numbers of deaths from the flu were bad enough. Just imagine doubling that because there's an extra flu rolling around. I don't think we should be complacent or happy with that.
3: But the protocols have not also been consistent. So there was a flight recently, a couple of flights that came in from Tehran, and people just walked off that flight and nobody was tested at all, even though there was uh, a case of a woman who had visited the region, I believe in California, who had contracted COVID-19. So and they and the media even interviewed people who came off that flight and they said, well, were you were you tested at all? And they said, no, we just walked off regularly, got our luggage, and then left. And then suddenly, uh, and and this is because and I realized that the situation is very fluid. However, even though the situation is fluid, put in the consistent protocols. Like if you're going to have test people from uh, regions in China if they come back, then if you find out that there has been, uh, you know, that people have come back from Iran or any country then everybody should be tested.
0: Yeah, but you're up in Thornhill, and so too are a lot of the Iranian community in Toronto.
3: Well, and there has been cases in York Region.
0: I know there have. So uh, where do we draw the line? Where are the parameters to decide who gets tested? You go into a Persian food market. Should you be tested when you come out?
3: Well, that's a good question, but no. No, So I don't know. Where are the parameters?
0: Is it just coming off flights? Is it anybody who's been in contact with somebody who's recently arrived from Iran?
3: But, but, I mean, those are all great questions to ask, John, and that's why nobody is giving any really concrete answers. You know, people speak in very, very broad strokes. For example, Kevin just gave some information that said, well, COVID-19 can hit anybody from 15 years old and up. And the other day, I heard it was really just 30 years old and up. So, you know, you're taking all this information and distilling it in the way you can without, you know, having uh, governments create mass hysteria with People, so I understand that the the doling out of information in in bite sized pieces, so people
0: don't get all hysterical. Well, there's a balancing act. You've got a strike, and Rocco, uh, no. as the head of this Chamber of Commerce, uh, your members, I guess, don't want to get too far out over their skis
1: either, do they? Not not at all. I mean, our our position is roughly a, a trust but verify uh, is to, uh, and our colleagues at the Canadian Chamber of Commerce have put out. Uh, a series of tools and sort of planning uh, tips uh, on a go-forward basis as you think about different scenarios. Will you, yeah, you know, want to have people working from home? Uh, how do you manage that? What are some other um, What are th- some other things that you may do? But you know, you're also seeing, for instance, within um, within the Chinese Canadian community, there are. Uh, restaurants there are shops that are uh, already uh, suffering one of the things um, we as a, a our, our board uh, has our, our next board meeting uh, in March and our intention is to is uh, is to have the meeting at a Chinese restaurant uh, near our offices again just to try to put the thing into perspective to not get out over our skis and um, too quickly to trust but verify, but to understand, uh, it, it's not like we're going to want to look at this through rose-colored glasses. But um, but let's put the things in perspective and and to have all of the community understand that we we have each other's backs in this. Well, I found it interesting as well that
0: uh, MetroLink's is going to spray with disinfectant every GO bus and uh, really, I guess cover it from pillar to post, and it's supposed to be uh, a one-year guaranteed spray, and so I'm thinking to myself, really, it took till now? I mean, there have been a lot of lost man and woman days as a consequence of illnesses on these damn things. Uh, Shouldn't this just be a matter of, you know, uh, protocol as a rule? Shouldn't it? I mean, doing this year-round, it makes sense to me. I mean. Why wait until now? Am I wrong?
3: No, you're not. You're absolutely right. And in fact, when I heard the uh, MetroLink spokesperson, who's a very well-seasoned spokesperson and knows her stuff, I do know her, um, she said, well, you know, this is something new for us. And I'm sitting there in my living room, like everybody else who's receiving this news, thinking, really? Why is it new? Why aren't you always doing this? You know that people go to work sick and they're taking public transit and we're all, you know, during certain times of the day, smashed in there cheek by jowl. Why not make it just standard? Uh, for you know from now going on and then the TTC is now saying well you know maybe we should do the same thing too although they're making a great show and showing footage of the extra cleaning that's going on inside the cars after the the car the the train car or, or the bus is put out of service so you know there's this big show of our public transit authorities showing that they are keeping their uh their vehicles clean but you know why now why not always